0: Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we continue the account of John's Gospel with chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Cadron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, "Whom do you seek?" They answered him, "Jesus of Nazareth." And Jesus said to them, "I am he." Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. when Jesus said to him, said to them, So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that my father has given me?" So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning, and they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken, to show by what kind of death he was going to die. I believe I mistakenly noted yesterday that they were in the Garden of Gethsemane for the prayer, uh, so this is not that uh, prayer that we see of Jesus in the Garden and the other gospel accounts, uh, but now they have entered the Garden, so forgive me for that one. Um, they've entered into the, the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is where Judas is going to bring the soldiers, he's agreed for 30 pieces of silver to give them the location where they can find Jesus apart from the crowds, and here's his moment. He's received soldiers, officers chief pri- from the chief priests and Pharisees, so some of the temple guard, and they've come with lanterns and torches to see, and also weapons. They're prepared for a fight, As they come to the disciples, Jesus asks who they're looking for, and they say Jesus of Nazareth, and then his response is strong. He says, I am he in our English Bible translation here, but it's the I am statements from the rest of the gospel. We were at eight before. I'm going to count this as number nine. It's the same exact Greek phrase. He says, ego e I am strong declaration and note the impact what happens when he says I am they fall over backwards basically they, 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 they have to fall backwards and they fall to the ground they're overwhelmed by the voice of God declaring who he is and they cannot stand in his presence there's something to be said for that. And so he presses them, since it almost seems like they're stunned here. He asks again, and they give the same response. And so he then continues, says, I am he. And he then asks that they let the other men go. They let his disciples go. And this, we're told, is to fulfill what he said before. This is chapter 17, verse 12 that he has not lost one of those that the Father entrusted to him, means that chapter 17, verse 12, should not just be read with a spiritual idea, so lost to the devil, but even a physical idea that Jesus cared for, provided for, protected his disciples during his time on earth. At this, as they go to arrest Jesus, Peter draws his sword, swings and strikes off, the servant of the high priest's ear. We learn here that his name is Malchus because John happens to know the priests. Uh, I don't know if we know exactly what his connection, his his relationship is there, but we see it, and as we continue in the text, that he knows Caiaphas, he knows the priestly family, and there's things we can certainly say about this. One is to note what's Peter aiming for, like. Where did he swing his sword if he cut off a guy's ear? He's not aiming to cut off a guy's ear. Nobody swings a sword like that. But in order to hit that high, he was aiming high. It would appear Peter was aiming for a kill. That this is war. And this is a good reminder. Pause. Ask your children, why did Peter fight? Why did Peter think he had to fight? This is a good spot to remember what the disciples expect of the Messiah, that he's gonna be a military hero. He's gonna come, he's gonna crush Rome. So here's swords gathered against him. This is it, here it is, finally, the time we've been waiting for. Let's rise up, let's fight. They have marched into Jerusalem a week prior, and, well, not quite a week, and the disciples, they're anticipating going to Jerusalem to establish a kingdom, to reestablish the throne of God in the temple, as the center, and to set up a, a palace and a kingdom right there in Jerusalem and be free of Rome. That's not it. That's not the purpose. So, Jesus commands Peter to put his sword away and then asks, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Again pause, a great spot for a family conversation. What happens if Jesus doesn't die? What happens to us if Jesus doesn't die? This is why he's come to free us, to save us. Not to establish a worldly kingdom. His kingdom's not of this world, as he's about to tell Pilate. The cup of suffering the cup of wrath that is about to be poured out upon Christ on the cross. As he takes all of the suffering that we have rightly deserved, all of the wrath that we have rightly deserved because of our sin, he takes it upon himself to rescue, to deliver us. Thanks be to God. So the temple guard here, this band of soldiers, they arrest Jesus, they bind him, and they take him off to Annas, father-in-law of Caiaphas, high priest that year. Here's the picture, as far as I could tell. Um, Annas was high priest earlier, so roughly 6 to 14 AD. He's deposed by the Romans because he's not easy to get along with for the Romans. They hope they could get a better high priest, a, a more friendly high priest into the office, but it's not a Roman office, it's a Jewish office, it's a holy office. And so in the mind of the Jews, Annas remained high priest. But it's his sons and a son-in-law here who end up being appointed to take the function of high priest. So Annas remains high priest, again, in Jewish mind, and he basically his sons are puppets. So he's brought to Annas first, as we'll see here, and then Annas is going to send him along to Caiaphas. We're going to see that pattern. But it's why in verse 22, one of the officers is Annas is questioning Jesus, one of the officers is able to say, "Don't, is that how you answer the high priest? Now we're reminded here in verse 13 and 14, Caiaphas is the son-in-law to Annas, so he's married Annas's daughter. And he is the guy who, back in chapter 11, verse 50, prophesied that it would be better for this one guy to die than for the whole nation to be destroyed. And that was a both-and. Like, the Lord was working through him to speak that. But he had his own wicked intentions, likely, behind it as well. Annas and Caiaphas are not faithful men. They're not going to be Christians. As far as we know, we won't see them in paradise. Not to say that it wouldn't be nice to see them there. We rejoice for every sinner who repents, but we have no indication historically that either of them do. So Simon Peter's going to follow behind, as well as another disciple, and it's John humbly referring to himself. He knew the priestly family again, as I mentioned at the outset, so he's able to be brought in, and he's then able to get Peter in as well. The courtyard of the high priest. I've seen debates about whether this then is Caiaphas' or Annas's home, the point is going to be it's near the temple, because the high priest is supposed to live near the temple, so it's an easy commute to work, and also it's there's going to be some wealth here at this point in Jerusalem's history and Judean history, so much so that the high priestly home has its own courtyard. And that's not normal for the homes of the Jewish people. Uh, They're small, by and large, and this one's got not just the courtyard, but a space large enough to host the entire Sanhedrin for a conversation to cast judgment. So the servant girl, who might be the very same one who lets Peter in the gate, uh, she's the one who questions Peter as to whether he's a disciple of Jesus. He denies it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 33, Jesus warns that those who deny him before men, he will deny before his Father in heaven. Certainly a sin, a grievous sin that Peter commits against Jesus. Jesus foretold it back in chapter 13, verse 38, that Peter would deny him three times before the rooster crows, and he will. I'll just skip ahead verses 25 through 27. He does it twice more um, as the people gathered around the fire as he's there to ask him, uh, if he's one of them and he denies it, and he denies it. And this is why at the end of the gospel, at the end of John's gospel, we'll see a threefold uh, conversation between Jesus and Peter, a reinstatement, as it's often discussed. But there is forgiveness for sin. Even this sin, Peter is forgiven by Jesus Christ, and he's established as one of the leaders in the church, the early church, as an apostle. So verse 19, this middle-of-the-night trial, which is against the Jewish custom and law um, to have a secret trial, they question him about these things, which is intriguing then because he says that he has not taught anything in secret, and yet they're doing this in secret. So there is an opposition there. He spoke openly. All the people have heard him. If you want to know what he's taught, just go ask them. Many witnesses will bear witness to the truth of what Jesus has said. And as Jesus speaks this way, instead of giving the direct answer that Annas was looking for, that's again where he's struck by an officer who questions him. Uh, is this how you answer the high priest? Annas again being priest in the mind of the people. Jesus' responds, though, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. So if I'm wrong, just prove it. Show it to be wrong. If what I said is right, why do you strike me? Um, As I mentioned, it was likely against Jewish law for them to be holding this trial when they're holding it. It appears to also have been against Jewish law for this officer to have struck the one on trial. This is not good. There's nothing meat-right and salutary about this meeting. It's all sham from start to finish because the devil is at work and our sinful natures are at work there's nothing good here so annas sends him off to caiaphas brings us down to verse 28 and he's taken from caiaphas's house then to the governor's house he's taken before pilate early morning so maybe around dawn they don't go into the governor's house his headquarters i should say so they don't get defiled pilate's not a jew he's a gentile and that's a pretty easy statement to make he's roman the opinion of the Jewish people is that to enter a Gentile's home makes you unclean because you have no idea what evils have been committed in that home, what unclean things have been done there. Abortion is a prominent one on the mind of, of many in that conversation. So they don't want to go in. It's Passover. It's a basically an eight-day-long celebration of God's people, and they don't want to miss it. If you're unclean, you can't participate in the holy things that day. It'd be like not wanting to miss your family's celebration of Christmas for whatever reason. So they're not willing to go inside. Pilate comes out to them. What accusation? And they don't even have one. Look at verse 30. If this man were not doing evil, there's no accusation there. Not really. Evil. Okay, what evil? What are you accusing him of? And they don't. When Pilate tells them to judge him by their own law, they claim it, it's not lawful for them to put someone to death. And John tells us this is to fulfill what Jesus said about what kind of death he was going to die. That goes back to chapter 12, verse 32, where he said that he would be lifted up. The Son of Man would be lifted up for all to see. He's going to die a Roman death. And how do the Romans execute? Crucifixion. So that's the picture of what's going on there in verses 31 and 32. The conversation between Pilate and Jesus The key phrase there in my mind is the idea that my kingdom is not of this world. So Pilate asks Mary the king. Jesus asks, you know, why is he even asking the question? Where did he get the information? And Pilate points out rightly his own, Jesus' own people have turned him in. What has he done? This is where he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. Notice again, Peter tried. Jesus told him to stop. We're not the only servants Jesus has. He is Yahweh of hosts, which is, the word host means armies. He is the God of armies, and he has decimated nations. He could do it if he wanted to. His kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is paradise, and it's where he's going to bring us to be with him in the time to come. Jesus is no threat to Pilate. Jesus will die on the cross that very day for Pilate just as well as for you and for me and for Caiaphas. My kingdom is not of this world. So Jesus then reveals his purpose is to bear witness to the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14. The truth is God's plan to save us in his son, through his son, by his blood. Pilot's response, what is truth? I read that as generically as I could because it is taken so many different ways. How you put your tone of voice there, like you could make it sarcastic. What is truth? You could make it um, defeatist, like he's just really down. What is truth? Almost Eeyore like, if you're a Winnie the Pooh person. Um, there's so many different ways you could take it. It's hard to know exactly what Pilot's little short phrase is means. And that tone, again, has played into how people translate it, uh, how they comment on it, and it's hard to say. Pilate could be the first postmodernist saying that everybody's truth, whatever's true for you is true for you, you do you. But again, he could just be baffled and confuddled and recognizing that the kingdom around him seems to be collapsing, and so he doesn't know where to turn, and so it's almost a cry for help. It's We just don't know. So he goes back out to the Jews, tells them he's innocent, finds no guilt in him. And he is innocent. There is no guilt in him. Pilate's correct. Verse 39, I have a, you have a custom. I should release for you one man at this Passover. Every year on the Passover, Pilate would release one of the prisoners of the Jews that he held, And so he offers them Jesus, king of the Jews. And instead of Jesus, they cry out, Barabbas. And John is soft here, says he was a robber. And we learn elsewhere he's an insurrectionist, guilty with murder. And this is huge in comparison, in context. Again, I've said this earlier in the gospel accounts uh, in John. The Jews fear the Romans. They fear Rome's power. They fear their army, that it can come in and wipe them out. And they're afraid of a rebellion. They're afraid of causing a riot, which is why, again, Judas sells, betrays Jesus for a private location because they don't want to touch him in public. They're afraid to. They're afraid the crowd will break out. And if the crowd breaks out, uh, their relationship with Rome is stretched so thin they think the army will come in and crush them. So they won't. The flip side, too, Pilate's relationship both with the Jews and with his own authorities back in Rome uh, very much strained, and he is concerned about a riot because it could cost him his job, and he'd be out, which in fact happens to him a couple years after this. And yet, they demand a man free who's known for starting a riot. Like, that's what he's in jail for. He did that. It shows, again, the depth of wickedness that's going on that day, that the very thing that they say they feared the most, which is Roman oppression, now all of a sudden it doesn't really matter. They want Jesus dead at all costs. The crucifixion. Jesus willingly laying down his life so that we could have life. But it's our sin it's our sin he took upon himself thank you jesus thank you for your suffering for drinking the cup that we could not